Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Wednesday from Hoover, Alabama. To Jacksonville, Florida. Brent Morneau here uh, in Hoover. A little baseball watching in the parking lot. Uh, God, it's a beautiful day here in uh, the Birmingham area. And then back in the Action Sports Jack studios, Austin Lane and Coos. Uh, we appreciate uh, all their flexibility. Good to be out here. Good to be joining you. And thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. Uh, we've talked about Yannick Ngakwe. I want to talk a little bit about Dak Prescott uh, coming up. I think we might even have a thought or two on Yannick uh, coming in on the social media channel, so we might get back to that. Uh, we do have some thoughts on some of the young guns in other sports, like Major League Baseball and even the NFL. We already talked uh, a little bit about the NBA with Zion Williamson, uh, John Morant, and others. Before we get to uh, more of the young stars of tomorrow, how about this? Tommy Tuberville, former Auburn coach, is going to make a run for the Senate, want a runoff today that will get him in... Uh, uh, on the ballot uh, later in the year and uh, could be headed to the Senate. Uh, we talked about at the top of the show, why do people get into politics? Mm. Like, why do sports figures get into politics? But he's not alone. There's precedent before. But it, it comes. what comes to mind is, okay, who would make a good politician? And I'm really interested to see if your mind goes where my mind was earlier today when I was thinking about this. Okay. Give me the first name that comes to mind if I say, hey, this guy, current um, or, you know, today's athlete, this this last generation of athlete, that would make a good politician. Who you got? Are we talking any athlete, any sport? Any sport, any athlete, yep. LeBron James. No, interesting. That's not where my mind went. <laughs> I mean, just to, to me, like, listen, he's he's done a lot for the community already. Um, he seems to be very well-spoken, obviously a leader. And, you know, when he's done playing ball, I mean, if he needs something to fall back on, I think a politician would be great for him. I think he's, you know, he's, he's a big face, and he would obviously win, in my opinion, because, once again, of how much that his charities and his platforms have done for the community. Well, here's the thing. Here's my thought on LeBron James, and I might be wrong, but I think he'd be frustrated by bureaucracy there. Like, I think he has the uh, ability to get a lot of things done. Sure already in his hometown and in other places, but he doesn't have to put up with the political bureaucracy, if you will. Um, now, you can only do so many things on your own, but my, my take on it is I think he wants a little bit more power than he would have uh, in sparking change. I think his voice for activism and all those things, his platform that he's able to use right now as a star, maybe someday being a Hollywood star too, mm. um, would carry maybe even more weight than being in a political office of some kind. Although I'm not saying he'd be bad in political office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it would be tough for him to get as much done as he'd want to. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, that's that's the game of politics. But I think if, bit, yeah. but if one man was to go in there 
and try try to turn around the perception of politics, maybe, and some of the corruption and everything, and try to do things his way to the best of his abilities, and kind of get you know like a new generation of young people involved in politics, excited about politics. I think King James would be perfect for that role. Yeah, it's a good call. It's, I, I like where you're going. I like where your head is on it. Um, I'm, I was really leaning um, Kanye West for president. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> hey, that lasted, what, 10 days? <laughs> get in, get out? All right. I have also um, decided that I'm no longer going to run. <laughs> Well, hey, you've 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 had some rants and some good um, things run on a platform. Brent, I'm a little disappointed with you because I was going to be your, you know, like your vice president, your running mate. But maybe next year, or I guess in here's, four years, whatever it would be. Here's who I believe people would lean toward if I, I might have to narrow it down and give them some names or something. But the name that came to mind, and I don't know, I feel like I may have heard his name in this arena before. Or people wondered what's he going to do after football. Um, could he be in the broadcast? Oh, I see where we're going. Could he be Peyton Manning? Yeah. See, I, I thought I you might going. go there. I see and, where we're going. Yep. I, I just thought ah, Peyton Manning could be a guy. That'd be my first like. That's where my mind went first. Yeah. Right. He, I could see him in office uh, doing something, and and heck, he'd own the state. Oh, I mean, with, he, yeah, he could run anywhere, and you'd think he would win. Once again, a very eloquent and, and well-spoken man. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. But you want to talk about a guy who needs to be in control, Brent, maybe even more than James. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a guy who used to run the practices in Denver. And for Peyton Manning to get into politics and kind of see, like, listen, man, yeah, you have the title here, and yes, you can get some stuff done, but to try to – piggyback your point a little bit a lot of other people have the say of what goes on and you have to wonder how Peyton Manning would feel about that yeah I, I think uh, I think all these guys probably now that we talk about it probably <laughs> fall in that category yeah but how about uh, let's go closer to home okay and how about uh, Calais Campbell the mayor of Saxonville <laughs> I mean it uh, already very, fits in the title right already the title but here's what's interesting about a guy like Calais uh so measured and so much the gentle giant and so well received and nice and beloved and all those things. I think sometimes we miss almost um, forget about his competitive nature, that that ability to get mad and angry. It's like, oh, Calais doesn't get mad. Oh, you bet he gets mad out on that field. It. You know yeah. uh, he, how competitive he is to be in the position he is. But I do go back to the measured nature of him, the, the smile, the gentle giant, the ability to listen, interact with people. Man, those seem like some good qualities. And by the way, he's done so many great things already in our city of Jacksonville, back in his hometown of Denver in Arizona, and he'll probably do more even in Baltimore now. Well, uh, yeah. I actually think a, a, a political office of some kind would fit him, and, and he'd be excellent at it. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Brent. And to me, the biggest selling point of Calais Campbell being great in politics was the fact last year when everything was hitting the fan, when you had story after story come out that put the Jaguars in the bad light, Calais Campbell was that constant. Right? He, he was the guy. He was the guiding light that seemed to remain professional through everything. 
right? And it was just about business and football to him. And I think in politics, that's what you have to do sometimes, all right? It's not going to always be sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be um, some hard things. You have to make some hard decisions, and people are going to be coming for you. And I think Calais Campbell's ability to stay cool, to stay calm, to stay collected, and kind of remain to who he is as a constant professional would benefit him a lot in politics. Yeah, interesting. So I, I think it's a hard one to figure out. We had a response. Um, uh, JBZ says Chris Conley, uh, given his yep. uh, recent accolades and, and discussion and kind of taking charge in the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, it's a great see, call. Great you know, call. And a boy, very articulate, smart man. Um, you wonder how much maybe this year and. Uh, I guess just the Black Lives Matter movement and maybe other things could spark interest from high-profiled athletes, entertainers, others in political office. I, I'm just being honest with me. It would never – maybe I'm not a servant enough, yeah. but I have no desire, never even – not even an inkling in my body to run for anything like that. Like it would do nothing for me, and I wouldn't be good at it, and I'd rather – use our platform to give back to charities and other things, but sure. I, I'm not saving Jacksonville, I can guarantee you. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm not doing that. But I wonder if some of the platforms these guys are now on, like Chris Conley being thrust into the spotlight a little bit mm -hmm. on a very important issue, and other issues, and his ability to um, help change motivates and, and kind of brings a liking to that line of work for someone like him or others. Well, and to me, this is why you might see a run of, you know, former professional athletes in the future start running for, 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 you know, for politics and things like that because the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that stemmed off the George Floyd incident, I mean, I think more than ever now, athletes are educating themselves um, in terms of, you know, laws, in terms of um, amendments and things like that. So they're starting to get ingrained now exactly how this country works, uh, you know, how the House, how the Senate, all that stuff, how all that works. And I think if you're educating yourself well, then you got a shot to make it at the end. And keep in mind, the thing that athletes have an advantage of over just, you know, everyday people trying to run for office is the fact that people already know who they are. They already have a brand. At the end of the day, I don't care if you're a mayor, a senator, a house representative, you are a brand. As crazy as that sounds, like you, you represent a brand. And your goal is to get that brand across to so obviously acquire the votes and, get you, and, and kind of get your, I guess, final message across and i think that you have professional athletes with big followings already going to politics well people are going to relate to them people already know them and that gives them advantage especially when the voting process turns out yeah interesting uh with tommy tuberville uh winning um a, a chance at, at a senate spot uh, coming up later this year kind of got our brains working in that direction. The other thing we've been talking about a little bit today, uh, obviously Derek Henry on Ekin Gakwe uh, discussion, you can continue that discussion. I think, Kuz, if you want to jump in, I think there were some thoughts somebody had maybe on Jan, a question or two, um, if you have that handy. If not, uh, bring it up in, in just a little bit. Yeah, he was just he was just late to the show and was asking what was going on with everything and the deadline. Okay, so that's a good call. We'll give an update uh, here uh, as we should. 
I don't want to assume that you're here at the beginning, but we did talk a lot of you on in the first hour of the show. Bottom line is the extension deadline was today at 4 o'clock. Didn't happen. Uh, I didn't lose my house. That might be the most important development <laughs> here today because I bet it yesterday that they would not come to an agreement, yep. and that wasn't happening, and it's not happening anytime soon. The, the question with Jan is will he play or won't he play on the tag? Uh, the other question is, could they trade him? Will they trade him? Uh, do they have a dance partner? Well, no doubt coming from Jan's camp today that uh, to the Schefters and Pelissero's of the world, the national guys, that they've had contract talks with other teams. They've had discussions uh, and trade possibilities brought to the Jaguars. None of them have sufficed the Jags and what they're looking for. And my view has not changed on it. I think the Jags are really putting their foot in the sand here as much as Jan is putting his foot in the sand and saying, I'm not playing for the Jags anymore. I don't want to. I think they've made that clear. I don't think he wants to. I think that's still the deal. I think the Jags know he doesn't want to. I don't know if they even expect him to play. But to that point, I think they are saying we're holding firm. And I think Shad Khan saying Jalen Ramsey did this last year. Uh, we are not the place that if you want a ticket out of town, we're going to just hand it to you. Go get us some big-time compensation. Hey, if it makes sense from a business standpoint, we'll do it. So that's why I don't think anything's happening. I don't think uh, I think some people have even argued, and you can make the case is his value going down a little bit because he says he's willing to play on the tag for other teams. So therefore, is he uh, decreasing some value, showing the desperate nature to get out of Jacksonville, and and therefore the Jags are never going to get what they want at least over the next couple months. To me, the next time for something big to happen will be at the trade deadline. And I, I think that's the next date that I have in mind for a potential something with Jan, because I think that's when the uh, leverage shifts a little bit to Jan's side. The Jaguars could get a compensatory pick, will get a compensatory pick if they let him walk at the end of the year and he signs a big deal. Maybe as much as a third round, probably will, uh, given the deal that Jan would likely sign with another team. So until then, they have to get a deal that's better than that. And uh, and they probably have been offered better than that, but still not suffice of what they want. I do think around the trade deadline, Austin, the momentum and leverage will shift to Jan's side because at best at the end of the year, the Jags are either going to have to tag him again for even more money or they're going to walk away from this whole Yannick Ngakwe deal after a year and a half of it. After drafting him third uh, in the third round and getting all this production, they're going to walk away with just a third round compensatory pick at best. To me, what I'm going to be watching, Brent, is I'm watching week one of the regular season. Is Yannick Ngakwe going to be around or not? I think we can assume right now where we sit here on a Wednesday that Yannick Ngakwe probably isn't going to show up for training camp, nor probably should he, right? I mean, there's risk of injuries there. Obviously, you don't really get paid to go to training camp. You get paid to play in the games. So one would assume right now that Yannick Ngakwe won't be at training camp. But then it begs the question, when's he going to show up if he is going to show up during the regular season? That's when we start talking about him turning down some millions and millions and millions of dollars, and it starts to show where are his priorities right now. Does he want to make the money? Does he want to stick to his guns, stay true to who he is? What is the price tag for him to do that? So that's what I'm be watching is week one, will Yannick Ngakwe be on the Jaguars roster or not? Then obviously, as it progresses, if it's like a Melvin Gordon situation, he sits out a couple weeks, will Yannick Ngakwe go up until the trade deadline then come back? We'll see. I do think in the big money talks of all this, Jan got a little bit of a boost yesterday and today with the Miles Garrett deal. Five years, $125 million. He's not getting that kind of deal, but at least he gets 
uh, maybe a bump up in the value of the defensive end position where over this last offseason, we feel like we've seen it decrease to a degree with Jadavion Clowney still a free agent. And by the way, that's another piece of this. You can go trade for Jan and trade something away, or you could just go try to sign Jadavion Clowney. Now, he's been very picky at what teams he wants to go to, but it's another piece of the puzzle out there when it comes to the Yannick Ngakwe situation. Totally off the topic, well, a little bit on the topic of Miles Garrett. Field Yates just tweeted this in the last half hour. How about this, Austin? A wild stat. The Browns made a total of 12 first-round picks between 2011 and 2017. Twelve of them. Okay. Miles Garrett just became the first of those 12 players to sign a second contract with the team. <laughs> Well, listen, I say it all the time. You have to bring in the talent and draft it and then re-sign it. There is a reason why the Cleveland Browns for the past decade and a half have been considered the factory of sadness. That stat right there proves it. Absolutely. What a wild stat uh, that certainly is. Hey, this from Kendall Rogers, by the way, who uh, writes for D1 Baseball. And uh, if you're a baseball fan at all in the college ranks, this uh, may be good news. The NCAA Division I Council has passed legislation effective August 1st that would allow teams to give need-based merit aid without it counting against the program's scholarship total. This is big news for college baseball. So need-based merit aid without it counting against a program's scholarship total. So That's interesting. Can, can you kind of... I mean, I, I guess I'm not really getting what that exactly means here. Well, I feel like they can help them out kind of like they would with, um, uh, you know, m- maybe some scholarship aid based on income in a, in a family's home. Okay. Um, but it wouldn't fall under the line of scholarship. It's basically financial aid instead. Gotcha. Okay. And so uh, that's the way I'm reading this, and I'm not in, in tune with a lot of the legalese of it. But you got to remember now, college baseball, I think, has 11.7 or 11.8 scholarships. That's it. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's not a lot. That's why I always joke around, like, we're here at a travel ball tournament. If you're doing this with the idea of getting a scholarship, well, that's great. I mean, if you think <laughs> – but you might as well save all your money and just pay for college because there's only 11.7 of them, and even the great players only get 50% scholarship. Heck, 30% scholarship to a university on a baseball deal is a pretty good one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not a lot of money to go around. These aren't football scholarships and basketball scholarships uh, when it comes to baseball. So, uh, But it's interesting news that they could give some financial aid, not count against. Uh, other news, the NCAA Division One Council also asked the Student Athlete Experience Committee to review financial aid rules, roster numbers in each sport, and average equivalencies in each sport. That's a lot of big words. <laughs> so in essence, more changes could be on the way for good in college baseball. The, the bottom line is here, it sounds like to me, they could do some things that will supplement, complement uh, the, the limited number of scholarships that are already available. And what I don't know if this is directly, and it sounds like it is, directly impacted to the coronavirus, COVID-19. And last year, last spring, the baseball season's getting cut short and more people being on the rosters. Because that's a big concern with spring sports, not just baseball. But spring sports is all some of these kids that said, hey, yeah, I want to go back. I want to go get that extra year of eligibility because you're giving it to me back. Well, what about the kids that were coming in as freshmen? You know, what about the added players now on the rosters? What are you doing scholarship-based? Remember we had uh, Nick Morrow on from UNF, uh, the, uh, the Associate Athletic Director for the Ospreys, and he had mentioned at the time, and by the way, this was months ago, so this could have changed in time, but they were going to, they had a, a certain amount of student-athletes that this fell under, mm-hmm. and they were going to honor those scholarships. 
they were going to find a way in their budget to honor those scholarships. Well, not every school was doing that. And so maybe this financial aid helps supplement, complement, and, and kind of fix some of the math involved on some of these rosters, maybe not just in baseball, but some of the other spring sports. Well, and listen, at the end of the day, it's taking care of the student-athletes, right? And that, that's, yes. what, well, that's what yes. I'm all about, right? Me is that, too. Is that you're showing that you have the student-athletes back right now. Listen, I understand times are tough. This COVID-19 pandemic, it's, you know, I mean, me and Coach actually talking about it during the break, man. Just everything is just... It's a it's a crap show, let's just say. I'm trying to uh, follow FCC guidelines here, but it's it's just been crazy, right? And there's an amount of stress that gets added when you're a student athlete at a university. So I guess what I'm taking away from this is that it's a good step, number one, in having sports come back, obviously. But more importantly, in my standpoint, it's important because you're showing right now that, listen, we understand what's going on. We're in tune with everything. We hear you, and we're here to have your guys back. That's what I love to see at academic institutions that have athletics. Yeah, and especially given these uncertain times. I mean, again, we are kind of, we follow along in football and baseball and basketball and others in the high school world. The class of 2021 and 2022, it's going to be really interesting for those guys because of the scholarship numbers. And that, this stuff might help that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe add to the rosters, but at least continue to offer more money and, and give these kids an opportunity to go play in college and, and get an education as well. Uh, the pandemic looks like it's going to impact the 2021-22 class more than anybody else. Uh, I think we're already seeing it in some sports, but especially those spring sports, uh, that's what's going to impact. So maybe this helps along the way. Before we take a time out and head to break, we already talked about some of the young players in the NBA to keep an eye on. The stars of tomorrow, and we really said uh, John Morant, uh, Luca is on the list as well. Uh, Zion Williamson certainly on the list. And, and we mentioned some other names. Mm -hmm. What about baseball and some of the young talent in baseball? There's a lot of it. And honestly, I think there are a lot of it that, that people don't even know their names. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think some, you know, some people would still say like Mike Trout and those kind of guys. Well, those oh, guys aren't really young stars. anymore. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're already stars, stars yeah. right? Mookie Betts, those kind of guys. They're already stars, even though they might even be young. Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking of is like a Fernando Tatis Jr., okay. Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's that, So he was my first pick, was Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yep. And, and I think right there, by the way, we might have said the two that – that may lead the the charge of this new young talent um, for a long time to come. Yeah, I mean, a couple guys that I had as well. I mean, and I, to me, he's already a star, but I just think the swag factor, you know, kind of that Ken Griffey Jr.-esque of making baseball cool, cool again, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. does that. Um, oh, so, good call. So I, he should be on that list. Yeah, I mean, but once again, like, I mean, the guy's already a great player, right? Don't get me wrong, but I think if you go ask baseball, or you go ask the casual baseball fan out there, you know, who's Ronald Acuna, who does he play for? Maybe right now people have some trouble saying that. So I think in the next couple of years or so, Acuna's going to be like that bona fide star. And the other guy I have just more, I think, from intrigue and storylines and, and going forward, what he's going to be able to produce, pending he can stay healthy, Otani from the Angels. You know, the, oh, good call. The, the, this was a guy who came in. I mean, the guy's a starting pitcher. He's got the starting pitcher tools. He's also a great hitter. And one could wonder, like, are you just going to put him in the outfield? Are you going to have him just be a pitcher and that's it? Or will you make him do, you know, both things again? And I think if you can make him do both things, and if he's going to be a pitcher and also a great hitter, 
I mean, that's the recipe right there to be a, a bona fide star in the sport of baseball, I feel like. Yeah, you know, Atlanta has another, too. Remember, they were kind of like this next wave of Houston Astros. Ozzie Albies is yep. another guy that's uh, uh, really good. We mentioned Fernando Tatis Jr. I think Glaber Torres for the Yankees, unfortunately, um, <laughs> could be on that list. And he's really a, a good player. Uh, Raphael Devers from my Boston Red Sox uh, could make a list like this as well, although I don't know if he has superstar potential. He's really got a ton of experience already as a young player. Mm-hmm. And I think he's only like 20. 223 years old. I'll give you one who kind of is a star from last year's World Series. And this guy, he looks like he's 32 already. <laughs> and he looks like he has kind of the maturity of that as well. And that's Juan Soto, man, for the yeah, Washington yeah. Nationals. Yeah. Now, what I don't know if he does he have the flair of Guerrero? Does he have the flair of Fernando Tatis to kind of be a star in the bigs from a branding standpoint? The way we talked about Zion Williamson, I'm not sure. But this, uh, Acuna does have that, by the way. Acuna, to me, uh, when I have the conversation of Javi Baez, the most exciting player in the game today, I think, well, a lot of people say Acuna Jr. is. And, mm-hmm. and they might be right, but I think Baez is. Um, and, and so that's what we're talking about, bona fide stars. And that's why Acuna really makes the list. Soto's an interesting one because he's just one heck of a player. Glaber Torres, wearing the pinstripes, could certainly fit the category. Uh, to be one of those guys as well. And then I just think the names and their dads being big leaders before, Tatis Jr., Guerrero, and I'll leave, I'll, I'll include one more in the, in the family name, and that's Bo Bichette. Yeah. Uh, with the Blue Jays, could he be one of those kind of stars? So, you well, know, and you know, what, Brent, and I'm going to say one other guy because, and he's old, he's 30 years old, but I called him last year, and I, and I want my call to still be right. I want Aaron Hicks to be good because last year I called him as the leadoff hitter of the year. Yeah, I'm just making up awards, and unfortunately he got sent down, uh, you know, on the IR right away. So hopefully this year he can come back and prove the doubters wrong. Good player. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, his, his time has passed. Yeah, I think his time has passed. He's 30 years hey, old. It, it really, if you like baseball, we don't talk a lot about Major League Baseball, but with the names we just mentioned, mm. I think much like the NBA, in terms of the amount of stars in the game, the names we just mentioned did not include the stars of today, the Yelichs of it of, of the True. world, the the Bryce Harpers of the world. Um, the you know name your uh, Kershaw's kind of on the on the back end now, mm-hmm. uh, but the uh, who's my favorite guy? Why am I think of his name in Houston? Second baseman, uh, short guy, help me out. Jose Altuve. Uh, Altuve, thank yeah, you. I totally got you. Blanked on, yeah. on Altuve. <laughs> I thought you were tricking me or something. Like, yeah, okay. No, Altuve, no, got you. My my yeah. inspiration for Ty, yeah. uh, the, Carlos Correa. I mean, those kind of guys. We already have so many stars in the game. I mentioned Javi Baez. Yeah. But baseball doesn't get the credit. And by the way, Trout. Baseball doesn't get the credit for as many stars as it has because they do such a poor job of branding their stars. We talked about this when baseball was in the argument phase of coming back. Well, look at all the names I just mentioned. Look at the names we already know. It is a young man's game in Major League Baseball, and it is loaded with stars, much like the NBA is loaded with a lot of star potential. Yet you just don't feel it in the MLB the way you feel it in the NBA. Exactly. You know what's crazy, too? And a guy we we obviously have to mention, I don't think we mentioned him yet, Pete Alonso from the New York Mets. I mean, the guy hit 50 home runs, but let's be honest. The guy is playing in a large market now. He's not playing for the Yankees. I get that. But he's still playing in New York. He's a heavy hitter. Chicks dig the long ball, but I feel like no one's really talking about him either. 
Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. Uh, absolutely a good call. So um, it's uh, it, it, it's good for the game of baseball. It's much like the game of golf. Golf has a ton of young stars, you know. Yep. They, they have players. It's not just Tiger Woods. It's different when it is Tiger Woods. But, uh, again, Morikawa, the, the most recent one, has won a couple of times. He looks like a stud. There's others, though. Uh, it's a really good hands right now, the game of golf. I think the game of baseball. I think the NBA. And we're, we're going to have this conversation with the NFL, although I think it's very limited. I, I think it's easy. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Patrick Mahomes. We can name other guys, but it's those two guys, and that's where the list starts. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and listen, in terms of baseball, all it takes is one year. Like I just mentioned P. Alonzo. I mean, essentially he's had one year, but to me he's already on the radar. I think with sports like football, I mean, we'll see if Jackson can keep on producing, but at the same time, I think it takes more than one year to show that, listen, you are the real deal. Yeah, I uh, I like it. Um, I like it a lot, and I think that's a pretty good deal. One clarification on the story uh, that I just mentioned with the NCAA Division One Council, uh, reading it uh, from Kendall Rogers. He says, delivered a win for college baseball to need-based merit, which I would say is financial aid, no longer counts against the program scholarship total. So just to be clear on that, um, you know, you can get some financial aid without getting a scholarship. So just wanted to clarify uh, something we were earlier talking about if, it, if we didn't communicate it. Uh, the best. When we come back, we communicate a little bit more, a recap of the day, and a couple other topics we haven't got to uh, just yet. We'll revisit where does the Jan situation land, and I've got a thought on Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hypothetical, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> we'll do it when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Just a friendly reminder, we are in the midst of 2020 Carathon presented by Duval Asphalt. Hopefully uh, you've been able to get involved and, and help us out, help support the Child Cancer Fund. You can go to childcancerfund.org. You can also go to ESPN690.com to get more information and bid on some silent auction items. Plus, you could text the word forever to 41444, help uh Cox Media Group and Child Cancer Fund this week, 2020 Carathon. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos, back on a Wednesday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, the Madden ratings are out. We've talked a little bit about this this week, but they're out for the Jaguars players. And oh my goodness, when will the quarterback be second on the list and not the kicker? Yeah, hopefully uh, after this season. Obviously, it's never a good look when your kicker is the second best player on your roster. I think who is the Jaguars are what seventy-eight overall on Madden this year. Yes, seventy-eight. Seventy-eight overall. Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, and listen, and surprising. I understand right now the the whole national attention on Gardner Minshew. It's is he really going to be the guy going forward or not? But if I'm not mistaken, I think Minshew was like a seventy overall. Seventy. Which in my standpoint is a little disrespectful if you ask I me. I guarantee you Kyler Murray's like 89. Guarantee. Uh, I mean, I mean, well, probably, yeah, and I'm sure that the Cardinals are probably ranked a little better than the Jaguars overall, but I was honestly shocked to see Garner Minshew at 70. Yeah, that's a little low for Minshew. How about the one thing that's really got my attention this offseason is either finally or for whatever reason, the love that Brandon Linder is getting nationally. Yeah. He got an 87. He leads the way for this team. Brandon Linder, over these last few years, at times people have questioned, obviously, the durability, and that has been a sincere question. But they've even questioned his play in the contract. Well, 
He's coming off a very good season, and it is widely approved by just about everybody, even the Madden adjusters. <laughs> no, no, without a doubt. And listen, he's kind of like a silent assassin, right? Like he just goes about his business, obviously plays a position um, that's not really glorified in terms of, you know, watching it on TV or watching in the stadium. But he has been, for the most part, really consistent, right? And uh, he doesn't get a lot of love, obviously, on a Jaguars offensive line last year that kind of lacked chemistry a little bit. They had a lot of penalties, but he has kind of been the constant on that offense. So um, it's good to see him, obviously, get some props only if some more offensive linemen around him can get those same type of props on a roster that isn't loaded with a ton of talent at least perception wise Yannick Ngakwe is a guy that might not play for the Jags and he's the third highest rated player on the Madden he's gets an 83 along with Leonard Fournette Norwell at 83 I don't know if fans would have graded him as high as Madden did Joe Schobert 82 Miles Jack 81 Josh Allen just an 81 coming off that big rock uh, rookie season here's a surprise to be DJ Chark 81. Again, I don't know what the heck these mean, but he's way down the list. He's like 10th on the list of Jags. And he's the Pro Bowl after a, a wide receiver after a big year in year number two. Not a, not as much respect and love as I thought for DJ. Well, listen, in, in terms of, of these rankings, I mean, there, there is no science to it. For whatever reason, J.J. Watt is a 98. Go ahead and tell me that one. How does that work? Apparently, they don't do drug testing at EA Sports. It is what it is. So... I think that Madden's kind of treating the Jacksonville Jaguars a lot like the national media does. Yeah, we're, we're going to give them a little inkling of our time, but we're not going to put our full-fledged effort into it. And obviously, DJ Chark getting ranked what he was shows you that. I would also say Jawan Taylor ranked as a 70. They didn't watch closely enough to see. Now, he did have some penalties, but when he wasn't getting penalized, he was a really good football player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, C.J. Henderson, 76, actually is tied with Jeff Akuda on the rookie scale of cornerback so a little promise there uh for uh cj henderson well that's your madden ratings i didn't go through every one of them but uh some interesting uh thoughts from madden on the jacksonville jaguars roster i've got an interesting hypothetical okay and humor me for a bit and i hope this doesn't happen because i believe in gardner Minshew, and i think uh, Minshew's going to be way better than a lot of other people think i'd have him rated higher than a 70 on madden but let's just say Minshew plays okay pedestrian uh and really not uh, when i say okay that means like not really that good you know not good enough so the question still remained about quarterback next year they go five and eleven heck you can go four and twelve and still pick like eighth in the draft so they're not high enough to go get trevor lawrence not high enough to go get a justin fields you could go invest in a young quarterback well now we see over there in dallas that Dak prescott and Dallas look like they might be at odds. They can't come to an extension. Is that a sign of disrespect? He's going to play on the tag for $31 million, and then we'll see what happens after that. If he is a free agent in 2021, and what I told you happens, Jags are 4-12, and 5-11, pick 8, but can't get Lawrence or can't get Fields, would you consider making a run at Dak Prescott for big dollars and make him your franchise quarterback? If you had the 8th pick of the draft? Yeah, again, you can't this is you can't get Lawrence and Fields. They're the first two guys off and you don't have those picks. That's fine. Then absolutely not. I am not going after Dak Prescott. I'm not going to make him a top 5 highest paid quarterback in the league and spend all my salary cap on that because I'm going to go Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance honestly might be the second best quarterback of this class. People that I've talked to have even told me that Carson Wentz was a great player in college. Trey Lance, man, 
this the sky is the limit for this kid. And I've talked to a couple sources that have confirmed that. So with that being said, no, I'm not going to risk all that money on a free agent quarterback because history has shown us that when you spend a lot of money on a free agent quarterback, set aside from Peyton Manning, even then for the Broncos, it wasn't that big of a deal. But history has shown us when you spend all that money on a free agent quarterback, bring him to a new team, it never works out. So go ahead and give it. I'll take my chances with Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, and I'll see you at the Super Bowl in a couple years. <laughs> I like it. I like the confidence of the young man yeah. uh, from, from up there in uh, the Dakotas. Uh, here's the thing. What I want to ask you here, again, it's not like you can pick your player in the draft. You just don't know. Maybe somebody sure. else falls in love with Trey Lance. You yeah. know, uh, So... I, you're not a big bully. I get it. You're not a huge guy in giving big money to quarterbacks because it it harms the build of the other team, uh, the rest of the team. I understand. Well, well, no, hang, on, uh, you, hang on, though, Brett. I'm saying I'm not a big fan of giving big top money to free agent quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I agree with Patrick Mahomes getting paid. That guy earned it. But I'm saying bringing a guy from a team from a different team and not a guy that you drafted. I am not for that. Okay, so is this so? Really, you're answering my question, though. So you think Dak Prescott's a pretty good player, um, maybe a good fit at other places, but you're not head over heels enough to say, "Oh man, I wish he was on my team." That's I got my guy now. I mean, for a franchise who hasn't had a quarterback, mm-hmm. who can't identify a quarterback, you got a guy out there you could go get in Dak Prescott. You're like, "Yeah, now nah, I'll take my chance on one of these young guys." No, no, absolutely. And listen, I. I wouldn't bring Dak Prescott in for the money that he wants on a free agent deal, but at the same time, I'm not naive to what's going on right now in Dallas. If you're Jerry Jones, it would be idiotic not to give Dak Prescott a new contract. You drafted him for a reason. You brought him up in the system. He's had success there. And you got to ask yourself, if you're not willing to pay the most important position on that field, what kind of message are you sending to your locker room? Simple as that. So if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm definitely cutting the check. But if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars in need of a new quarterback, back i'm not turning deck deck prescott's way what do you think happens with him and the cowboys do you think he ends up staying a dallas cowboy some way shape or form um uh you know for a long time to come man you know i think i mean listen i think for for the good of the dallas cowboys they're hoping that he stays i'm gonna be honest though man and i don't know Dak prescott personally i know he's from mississippi state Go remember that cowbell real quick. A baby. You better believe it. But um, if you're Dak Prescott right now, how, how could you not be ticked off? Okay, I understand. You're going to make a lot of money this year pending that you don't get a deal done with that franchise tag. Good on you for doing that. But I'm just saying, when you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, quote-unquote America's team, and you watch your teammates Ezekiel Elliott get paid before you, you watch Amari Cooper, who was traded from Oakland, who did, they didn't even draft. They had zero plans for Amari Cooper. You watch him get paid before you, and now you watch Jerry Jones disrespect you by not getting a new contract. I would be absolutely livid right now if I was Dak Prescott. So do I think he's still going to be in Dallas? I think eventually the number is going to be too big to pass up for him and eventually Jerry is going to come around. But I'm not going to be surprised if Dak Prescott throws up the deuces and says, I'm going someplace else because Dallas doesn't respect me. Yeah, I've got a feeling like, I think that's the narrative everywhere is like they're trying to build this as, well, uh, you know, they're at odds. Jones doesn't want him. He would have taken care of him. He's the third one to get paid. And, and that's those <laughs> those are facts, by the way. But yeah. I think they're trying to yeah. separate, uh, you know, do they really want to ever give him money and be the guy? 
I think at the end of the day, and by the way, Andy Dalton could be a part of this too because they did add him. Mm -hmm. So the narrative is there, and especially since Jerry Jones has been so quiet over the last few months on a lot of issues, by the way. Uh, the I got I just have a feeling at the end of the day they're going to come up with what they need to come up with to keep Dak Prescott rather than the alternative of of taking a chance in the draft or whatever it be or riding with Dalton or I mean as they sit because they might be a draft and who knows if they have a halfway decent season 22nd you know yeah. they're they're not going to be in a position to go get their next franchise quarterback one that they can say oh yeah this is our guy let's start building around him no they just gave all this money to Elliott they gave all this money to Cooper they've given money to other guys on defense they need to win and the, the fastest way to win right now is to roll the dice on Dak, pay him, and hope he delivers and, and takes the next step and gets you there. Uh, he's been good. Uh, the, the question when you pay a guy like that, is he great? And uh, a lot of teams have to ask themselves that question. I think at the end of the day they, that Dak Prescott will be in Dallas for a long time to come. Absolutely, and we're having some comments here uh, on Twitter I can bring up real quick regarding actually the Dak Prescott situation. We got... Uh, Tim uh, talk, chiming in saying, you can't pay Dak anywhere near what he wants. Jerry paid a quarterback recently who couldn't win anything of value, and it's just a waste, waste of a decade. Cowboys should let him walk. One playoff win with that roster is horrid. One season with elite numbers, I'd play Dalton. Interesting. Well, yeah, here's the thought on that, okay, because it makes me think. It's like, well, listen, I think Dak Prescott's better quarterback than Andy Dalton. But what you got to do is ask how much. Is he $35 million versus $8 million on the cap? I forget how much they paid uh, Dalton, but it was a pretty decent deal, if I remember. Um, it, I mean, that's a huge amount of money. I mean, that's two more players. That's maybe one more franchi franchise player you're paying instead. Mm -hmm. So I think when you pose it that way, it's like, okay, yeah, I think Dak is better. So better is good, but at what value? You know, I mean, are we costing ourselves opportunities to do other things, especially since we do have money tied up in other places? So I think it's a fair question. I don't sit here and say, oh, yeah, well, he's only won one playoff game, so go get, go put Andy Dalton, and he's better. And Andy Dalton might be better than he ever was because Cincinnati never was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe they're better in Dallas or around him. But I still am not riding with Andy Dalton to the promised land. If you want to win and win big, I think your best route there is, uh, is Dak Prescott. The question is, what about the dollars, and, and do they add up, and can you make it work? Uh, one other thought, and speaking of comments, uh, Rational Jags fan says, slow down with the Titans' love today. Titans have only beat the Jags at home the past couple years. Derrick Henry was almost traded at last year's deadline because of his play. Didn't catch fire until second half of the year. Question is, did Titans sign first or second half, Henry? Well, listen, you ain't getting any Titans' love for me, but they did take care of Derrick Henry today, and... Hey. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brett. They have had the Jags number. That's all fact. All I'm going to say is right now in the landscape of absolute chaos with COVID-19, with everything that's going on right now, more than likely the team that wins the division is the team that has the established identity. The Colts don't really have that right now. Yes, they're a solid running team, but is Phillip Rivers going to deliver? Obviously, the Houston Texans are a mess right now. We don't know what the Jaguars' identity is. The only team in the AFC South that I, kinda, I can identify with their identity, Tennessee Titans. Give us your three the identity rules again. Give us your speech to end the show. Hey, my, my name is Austin Lane, and I'm running for GM. Three rules. Get the identity. Establish the identity. Protect the identity. Oh. Enough said. So good. Enough said. What is the identity of ESPN 690? We may find out tomorrow. Until then, have Let's a good night, everybody. It. Thanks for hanging with us. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Have a good night. 
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.